When you think about Greek life, Christian faith might be the absolute last thing that comes to mind. But we not only believe that it's possible to be Greek and Christian, but also that it's the best way to experience Greek life and grow your faith. We have real, honest conversations about how to approach Greek life from a Christian perspective, including things like recruiting and pledging, drinking and drugs, sex and dating, leadership and philanthropy, and much more. This podcast is by Greeks and for Greeks. Our hosts and guests are all members of fraternities and sororities who collectively have decades worth of experience living out their faith in Greek life. Welcome to the Greek and Christian podcast. Cool. So uh, here we are again. Allison, my co-host. I am John. We are about halfway, uh, we're recording this about halfway through the semester uh, right now, and if you're listening, you know the current context. Uh, Things are still crazy uh, in the world and on campus. Uh, Some campuses are totally virtual, some campuses are in person, others are some uh, sort of hybrid uh, mix of the two, but COVID still a live reality. Lots of things happening right now. It's an election season. Uh, The global pandemic is still going. Um, It's still a season of social unrest. Um, And in this time, uh, there is no shortage of uncertainty. (laughs) You know, there's always sort of uncertainty uh, in our lives, but uh, right now it seems uh, more felt than others. Uh, So, Yeah, we wanted to do uh, a little bit of a bonus episode of just kind of addressing the current situation uh, and the times that we're living in. And so uh, for this particular episode, uh, Allison has been doing a lot of thinking and processing just around this um, feeling and reality of uncertainty uh, and instability. And so I'm just going to ask her some questions and kind of pick her brains and, uh, you know, see if we can get some nuggets of wisdom from you, Allison. Awesome. Yeah, I'm in the hot seat this time. I know, putting you on the spot. I know. Did you say pick my brains? I have multiple brains. That's pretty exciting. Did I say it multiple? Maybe. Maybe that's just what I heard. But I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> For I context- just think that much of you. Uh, Aw, it's thanks, a compliment. John. Yeah. Thanks. Well, and for context for our audience, uh, we're both recording, at least for me, quite early in the morning. So <laughs> there you go. Yes. Yes. So. Uh, cool. Well, uh, without further ado, I mean, should we just jump right into it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so first question, uh, like I mentioned, Hey, we're in a season of, you know, intense sort of uncertainty and instability. Why are you passionate about this topic? Yeah. Uh, before COVID, this has been something that I think God has done a lot of work in my life. Um, and, From my experiences and being in seasons of uncertainty, confusion, or, you know, just really you could even call it just waiting, waiting for, you know, something to resolve itself itself in this weird in-between, I've really noticed that I think we tend to gravitate to whatever makes us feel secure. When we feel unsecure um, or in a place of instability, we want to move to something that's secure. Um, And often, I think for Greeks, this has been true for me. It means that we gravitate toward a lot of, you know, the traditional ways that we tend to cope in Greek life. So a lot of that involves just going to things that bring us some semblance of comfort and control uh, when we don't have any. So 
coping through binging, right? Drinking, drugs, sex, relationships. I mean, even things that are seemingly... Yeah, exactly. I mean, even, right, really innocuous stuff like Netflix. And, you know, some of those, right, could be more physically destructive than others, but they all are doing the same thing, which is just distracting us from our reality. Um, And, you know, I think we need some good, healthy rhythms of, of taking a break, But that distraction can really um, put us into a place where we actually miss out on what God is doing. Um, And I think especially when we're in a place of isolation, uh, we need to be really mindful about how God is with us and how he's meeting us in this time. And so I'm really passionate about this because God has regularly put me in these places (laughs) of uncertainty, confusion. I'm sure we're going to talk about this more. Um, But in these seasons of just waiting for him to do something. Um, And I've come to find in those places of uncertainty, of lack of control, instability, um, that God is far more intentional with those seasons than I give him credit for. And he's way closer to me um, than I realize. I think it's really tempting to just see these seasons of waiting or instability as just like, oh, this sucks and it's going to be <laughs> over and there's no no purpose to it. It just yeah. sucks. Yeah. Um, but I think God does the alternative. I think he sees these seasons as very crucial um, to our development, to our health, um, and to our relationship with him and with one another. Um, and so I think when I've slowed down enough in these places of, of chaos or confusion or uncertainty, and when I've let God actually meet me in the middle of those discomfort, discomforting places and uncertainty, um, I've actually found those places to be some of the richest and most beautiful seasons of my life, uh, which is not yeah. really what we think. Um, and so I, right, God, I really don't think God sees this time of uncertainty as a big cosmic mistake. <laughs> I think, right, I think he sees this as like an intentional time uh, to experience him in deeper and more beautiful ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I mean, I'm with you uh, in all of that, you know, that's, um, the uncertainty, it almost just feels kind of like meaningless and pointless. And so all yeah. of our, you know, prayers and hopes are usually like, God in this, <laughs> you know, it's not like really, right. what are you doing in this, but more so just like, just end it, you know? Yeah. Um, I also think it's just, uh, you know, um, how you were talking, it, it's an uncomfortable feeling. It's also kind of an unusual feeling. I think we're yes. used to having certainty or at least the illusion of certainty in our lives you know like you show up on campus and your whole you know as a uh member of a greek organization it's like your whole social calendar is planned out for the entire semester you know what you're going to do every weekend you know football schedules and all that kind of you got your class schedule and all of that it's like you know the things that were seem concrete that you just assumed uh would are just a normal part of life is now all kind of just like up in the air. And so to that end, you know, uh, have there been some specific moments, you know, you kind of talked about generally God has had you in these places of uncertainty before. Um, Are there some specific moments, maybe, you know, from your sorority experience where you really grappled with the uncertainty and waiting on God? Yes. Um, So I joined my freshman year, joined PiFi. Um, and then my first like chapter meeting after getting initiated 
was in the fall. So I joined in the spring, um, got initiated. And then fall of my sophomore year, came back. I was so excited. I was like, wow, this is my first chapter meeting. Like I get to recite the ritual with my sisters. We haven't seen each other all summer. And so show up for the chapter meeting. And uh, apparently the grand president, international president of PiFi was joining us. And, you know, as a sophomore, I didn't know that that was a big deal. It's like, oh, she probably just visits all the chapters. But, you know, if you've been around Greek life long enough, you're like, oh, it's probably not a good idea that the like president of your entire international organization stops by just for your chapter meeting. It's probably not something good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so she basically told us that we were in dire straits as a chapter. I had no idea this was happening when I was joining. And basically that if we did not get our act together that semester, uh, we were going to lose our charter. Like we were like, it was so bad that like, you can't, you can't participate in fall formal recruitment. And I was like, what? So it was just crazy. Um, like, you know, the chaotic event happened. And then all of us, we were, I mean, variety of responses, right? Crying, disbelief, <laughs> cussing things out. A chapter yes. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Um, so I think there were definitely these times of what the F are you doing, God? Where are sure. you? What are you doing? That's quite a stark contrast you know going from like bid day yay like presents and love and uh, all that sort of gifts and stuff like that to your first chapter meetings like and you're getting shut down it's like oh right yes very other house exactly very high highs and very low lows yeah um yeah lots of disappointment um But there was something really beautiful about it. I mean, I think, right, like I said before, there's this really knee-jerk response when we get into places of discomfort is, you know, we just want to escape from it. And so I think we either escape to the past where things seemed really good before the chaotic event happened. Yeah. um, Or, you know, we have this kind of fantasy of the future of when everything will resolve. And neither of them are real. I mean, the way that we remember the past, like we're only remembering the things that were good about it and and sitting ourselves there and then the future we can't we can't predict that with certainty and so um if we did that as a chapter in pi fi if we just had this romanticized vision of the past or this incorrect vision of the future like we would have lost our charter like we you have to be able to deal with the reality um if you want to get through it i mean that's the beautiful thing that happened in my sisterhood is that we came together yeah. You know, we we actually didn't have anybody resign as far as I remember that semester. I think it just really lit a fire in everybody of like, wait, do we really care yeah. about our sorority experience? Well, yeah, then we want to preserve this and we want to do what it takes. And and that means that we can't get stuck in the past. We can't just like escape to the future. We have to deal with what's real right now um, and we have to work yeah. together to deal with it. And I, I would say like I had some really amazing experiences in sisterhood uh, because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I mean, there's this sense of pressure, especially in Greek life. And I know in sororities too, just the, the image of needing to have it all together, you know, oh, yeah. and, you know, have stuff together. Nothing's really wrong. Uh, and so you really had to work through that, right. Yeah. Um, of, okay. Like, do I care enough about my sisterhood that, that I'm willing to face, you know, the bad press that we're getting in sure. Greek life. And, 
Um, you know, are we willing to, to advocate for one another and care for one another in the midst of that? Or are we just going to check out from yeah. it? Um, and so I think, and some of it was like, we had financial problems. I mean, that was part of <laughs> why it. we had problems. <laughs> and so like, we couldn't even do like a real formal or things yeah. like that. And so honestly, I think what helped with us is, you know, having those things stripped away, right? Like the, um, I, I don't know if I should say superficial, but just definitely like all of the bells and whistles. That's sure. maybe what I'm getting out of Greek life. Having those things stripped away really forced you to say, okay, why am I part of this organization? Yeah. You know, am I part of it because of the bells and whistles of having that really sweet formal or living in the big house um, or you know having the status? Or is it because I care about the relationships and I care about the values? Yeah. Um, and so... I think that was a real turning point for my sisters, I think, um, and for me. And we had to get really creative on how we experienced sisterhood when we didn't have the money to do a formal. Um, And so like Bible study, I started a Bible study with one of my sorority sisters that semester. And that oddly was uh, one of the few places that one of the few structures that we had to experience sisterhood. And and I remember a non-Christian sorority sister saying to us that, you know, the most, I never would have said this or thought that this would happen, but, you know, the place that I've experienced the most sisterhood has been in our Bible study. Yeah. Um, and so it was really powerful. I, I think for Melissa and I and our leadership as people who follow Jesus to, to like, we could have let this just derail us. We wanted to start a Bible study even before, right, grand president shows up at the chapter meeting. Sure. Um, and we could have just said like, oh, well, this sucks. We're probably going to get shut down. I guess we shouldn't start the Bible study. Yeah. Um, but we still did. And um, I think God worked in a lot of powerful ways that, you know, maybe people wouldn't have been as spiritually interested if if this moment of crisis wasn't happening or yeah. uh, maybe we wouldn't have had those kinds of spiritual conversations if we weren't open yeah. to how God was using that season of major uncertainty and instability and yeah. uh, we probably we probably don't have time for it on this podcast but eventually when we did scrape enough money together <laughs> for a spring formal uh it was a very funny experience <laughs> we had to do it at this really crappy bar in Kalamazoo called Papa Pete's so but we had Papa so Pete's. much fun Pee-pees. we had yes <laughs> formal of peepees yes uh so we had an excellent time um and you know some of us being able to have humor in some of those some places levity. I mean that's a very yeah sure yeah yeah you got to have some levity in the space and yeah yeah, yeah. it's interesting I mean uh, just as you were talking I mean uh, there's some similarities between, you know, what you were experiencing then uh, and what, you know, I think Greek students are experiencing now with the disruption, right? And just mm-hmm. the things that you, uh, all the exciting, the bells and whistles, like you mentioned, you know, have are currently all stripped away, right? It's like right. you join Greek life for uh, the socials and the mixers and the football tailgates and the parties and the fun and the off-campus events, formals and uh, all these sorts of things. And um, all of that now, it, it's a weird time. Like what is yes. Greek life without social life, you know, in a time of social distancing? And um, yeah, to have all those pulled uh, definitely makes like uh, ask the other questions of just like, what, what are we doing here again? Yeah. You know, and like, 
do we really want to be here? And, and, and just some of, like you mentioned, some of the creativity it takes. Uh, and, yes. you know, we've heard a lot of stories, you know, coming out of Greek life now where, I mean, people are doing virtual recruitment and um, all sorts of different stuff in order to like adapt to the current, um, you know, the current situation. But uh, it doesn't, take away any of the like the disruption or the hardship right. that comes from that you know i just it definitely creates the feeling of just like yeah this kind of sucks and i wish this was over and let's yeah. just get over the hump and get through this because there's nothing really good uh, about this season and yet you know that's what you're saying is but wait a second maybe there is so let's uh zoom out then uh you know um Talking about uncertainty and instability, uh, sort of we talked about in the college context and Greek life and how it's affecting things on campus. Uh, if you zoom out, like I mentioned, right, uh, to the societal level, global level, we still have the global pandemic. Uh, there's racial injustice and social unrest happening um, on top of everything else that's happening in our personal and immediate lives, just in our uh, vicinity. And so... Um, but yeah, what do you? What are some of your thoughts as you've just been processing things happening at large, and you know, uh, alongside this idea of uncertainty and instability? Yeah, I mean, I think like anybody else, I've been affected by you know the anxiousness that's in our culture right now um, because of there's just like you said, John. There's so many layers of uncertainty. It's not just COVID, right? It's also the racial reckoning happening in our country. And it's not just that. It's also we have natural disasters happening and hurricanes and wildfires in California. And then it's not just that. It's also we have an election happening in just a few weeks. And on top of all that, it's like we're adjusting to this kind of weird reality right now. If you're in college of, you know, classes are online, they're hybrid. Wait, what? Am I even going to be able to come back after Thanksgiving? I don't know. There's so much, so many layers of uncertainty right now. And yet I do firmly believe that God has something for us in this season. And I do think um, because of the way that God has brought me through past seasons of uncertainty, that he's really helped me kind of reorient yeah. in this season. It doesn't mean that it's not hard or that I don't have moments. I'm like, this really sucks. This blows. Or, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm not grieving over, you know, the the chaos and the things that are are certainly not what God intended for our world. Yet I'm able to still keep my eyes open and say, God, what are you doing? What is your purpose for this season? And like I said earlier, I think a lot of us are tempted, me included, to see this year as a wash, right? I mean, we see the memes, sure. right? Yeah. All about how like 2020 is terrible. Like, let's, <laughs> it's just, let's forget about it. Yeah. And um, and I think they're funny. Like, we, we need that kind of levity, like I said before. Um, but I think, right, we get in this habit, and, and you said this too, John, of just like, all right, we just got to wait until this is over. Like, when... X, Y, and Z resolves itself, then, you know, we can get back to living our lives. We can get back to whatever. Yeah. Um, but right, we, we have no certainty about when that will be. And I think God's invitation is for us to just be here, not saying when, blah, 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 or if this happens, we'll do this, but saying like, what, what if right now, like, what about right now? And what God are you doing right now in this time? So, right. I, before I said this, I think you know, when we get into a place of uncertainty, it's uncomfortable. It's mm-hmm. not, it's unusual. It's not our typical, you know, what we seek out in our daily lives. We, we 
I think God is someone who brings order to chaos. And part of us being human is that we long for that place of stability, but we live in an unstable, uncertain world. Um, and so when we get into that place of uncomfort, it kind of, it goes against what, how God created sure. us. So we just want to escape it rather than looking for God in it. And so, like I said before, we either escape to the past and remember what was good. Um, or, you know, again, we think about this rosy future. Both yeah. of these postures, right, are forms of escaping. Um, and I think God wants us to to sit and look for what he's up to here and now and not miss out on what he could be doing. Um, a friend of mine, I really like this quote, a friend of mine, Katie, she was talking with me the other day and she's like, you know, in this season of my life, um, I'm like, well, this is definitely not plan A for my life anymore. You know, did not obviously expect to be quarantined, did not expect, you know, to not see my family for months on end, et cetera. Um, and you know, she's like, it's not even plan B. It's like plan F. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is like plan F of what I envisioned for my life. And she's like, but, you know, I was thinking to myself, and this wasn't a time of prayer, what if God still intends this to be plan A for our lives? Yeah. What if this season is still meant to be plan A for us? And if we try to just like grin and bear it, white knuckle our way through it and just ignore things until this, you know, whatever this future is appears to us. Yeah we'll miss out on God's plan A for us. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think God is inviting us into right now is to slow down and ask him, God, how is this still plan A for my life, um, for yeah. my campus, for the world, for my sorority? Yeah. It's really good. You know, I've heard um, similar to that. I, you know, I heard somebody say, you know, what if this, everything that's happening right now isn't just happening to us, but for us. Yeah. You know, like what if God has something for us in this? Um, it's more so it's not God that's changed or uncertain or instable. You know, it's more so how are we responding to him uh, in this time right. and what's right. our posture? And um, I think <laughs> it's the mental shift uh, to mm -hmm. seeing this is still God's plan A uh, for our lives, yes. still seeing that God is with us and that God is for us and he's still working in this time. And do we sort of have the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the, the heart to respond to what he's doing? Or like you've mentioned, are we just going to revert back to you know, nostalgia and the rosy past or the romanticized future, or are we right. just going to sort of turn to escaping and numbing in the moment of whatever it is, just so that I don't have to think about, you know, what's currently happening. So, I mean, to that end, what advice or tips do you have in navigating uh, uncertainty and instability? Yeah, so I think there's a there's plenty of stories in scripture about people who have been waiting on God and find themselves in these places of instability, insecurity, uncertainty, right? Uh, but I think one passage, it's a narrative account, which helps me to kind of put myself in the story. Um, but I think it's a really helpful picture for us. I'm just going to kind of unpack a few points uh, from that story. So I think the story for me that's been really meaningful to me when I go through times of uncertainty is from the end of the Gospel of Luke. So it's Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 34. Um, and it's basically Jesus has just died. So he just got crucified. Um, and we find ourselves 
Luke, Luke places us in a story of these two disciples, two followers of Jesus, who are walking away from Jerusalem, where Jesus was crucified, walking home. Um, and, you know, when you think about these two people, you know, I like to imagine what they're going through. If they just watched their best friend executed, you know, and not even just like killed, but killed in a really shameful way, right? The cross was only meant for the worst of criminals. And so they just watched their friend, best friend, and also who they thought was the Messiah, the, yeah. the deliverer of the world, um, get killed. They never thought that Jesus would get killed, much less killed like a criminal. So they are confused, yeah. <laughs> right? They're grieving. Um, they're confused. They're probably feeling really defeated. Yet we also read in this passage that there's rumors that Jesus has risen from the dead. And so, I mean, that's like a very high, high of, oh my gosh, Jesus maybe has risen from the dead, but a very low, low of like, well, do we even dare to believe that? Because we literally just watched him die. Yeah. Um, and so these two are walking along. We read in the scripture that says, that, it says that they were walking away from Jerusalem and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So I'm going to like stop right there. It's a small detail, but I think the first thing we can take away from this passage in times of uncertainty is don't deal with it alone. Don't yeah. do it alone. Um, in this passage, Luke repeats the word together very frequently. Um, and only one of those followers is even mentioned by name. And it's a very brief section. So it's very clear that these two are a package deal, that them being together is important to the story. Um, and I think that's true for us in times of really deep uncertainty and confusion. We need to press even more deeply into community. That's what may was a make or break for my sorority is, you know, if we chose to just all quit or deal with it alone, like we would have been shut down, but yeah. we really banded together in that time of uncertainty when we could have been shut down. Um, and so, you know, this is probably a no duh for you, but even in times where we are virtual, we need to press into that community. Even when you don't feel like showing up to a virtual event, um, I would say do it. You need that space to be with other people and to share what's really going on in your life. Um, some of you might be listening to this and you've kind of ghosted on your Greek intervarsity community. And I just encourage you. <laughs> Getting called out. I know. Reach back out. You need those people in your life. You need people to, to help you in this season, to support you, to encourage you, and to help you see what God is up to. Um, so that's just like, right. The very first couple verses. Yeah. So then we keep, we keep exploring their story and all of a sudden what happens is Jesus shows up. So they're walking along away from Jerusalem and Jesus shows up, but they don't recognize Jesus. And this actually says that Jesus like keeps them from recognizing them. Um, which is kind of interesting. I'm not going to unpack that right now, but, um, Jesus goes up to them and he just says, Hey, like, what are you guys talking about? And, uh, what I really think is funny is they respond to him and they're like, what are you the only person in Jerusalem that has no clue what happened? Like they kind of sass him like, what you dummy. But then they proceed to, and Jesus is really cool about it and gracious. He's like, tell me what happened. <laughs> so, And obviously Jesus knows what happened to him. They don't recognize him as Jesus, but they tell him what happened. They go through their pain, their heartache, even the little glimmers of hope in the story. And Jesus just listens to them. And I think what we can take about that is that God wants us to be real and honest with him about what's going on. He, 
he wants us to talk about the losses and the grief that we've experienced in this season. He wants to talk, he wants us to share with him our hopes for, for what this could mean for our future. He wants us to even share the places where we feel numb or maybe where we're struggling with not caring. Um, I think when we don't openly talk to God about all of these feelings, um, we just bottle it up and it's not healthy. Um, but the truth is like, God is not, you know, surprised by our sadness and fear. He's not angry with us for, you know, having doubts or struggling. Um, he's not embarrassed by, you know, our anxious responses or our sadness like Jesus. He knows them already, but it's good for us to tell him about it because then like what Jesus does, he listens, he listens and he sits with us in all of those variety of emotions. And so my friend James calls it being ugly, honest <laughs> with God. Yeah. And so that's been so helpful to me in this season of just having a regular practice. Like, you know, I do it once a week where, you know, I'll just be ugly, honest in my journal about how I'm doing. <laughs> like, it's not yeah. uncommon for me. I'm not going to say it on the podcast because I want to respect people's, you know, boundaries or whatever. But, you know, I have the F word in very large letters scratched into my journal in certain times of my life. And, you know, God can handle that. God, God can handle it. Uh, I've heard people, which is awesome. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty real uh, when I journal too. I've heard people say like, you know, if I die, don't read my journals, don't publish them. There's like burn them. There's nothing of value that you like. You don't want to go through that. Exactly. Exactly. So whether you journal or not, I think it's helpful to have a place where you can just be real with God, you know, go for a drive in your car somewhere secluded and just like yell the F word really loud if that works for you (laughs) or whatever you need to do. But which is honestly very cathartic. I mean, I could, I could say a lot from that for personal experience, but just like expressing emotions, I think in a lot of uh, Christian context, um, you know, the idea is just like, well, just trust God, just be faithful, you know, and those pat kind of comments tend to pave over like the expression of emotion. The expression of emotion exactly. is almost seen as a weakness of faith, you know, like, oh, you're not right. trusting as much. If you're angry mm-hmm. at God or uh, if you're really sad or you're mourning, it's like you just need a little more faith. Um, yep. And so we end up, which isn't like biblical at all. You know, if you read the Psalms and you actually read through scripture, like God affirms the like expression of emotion and crying, wailing, shouting, being angry, beat up a pillow, like do whatever you need to do. And those times, at least I found in my life when I've actually done that, I walk away from them feeling more at peace you know, than I did going into it. But if I just try to numb it out, you know, if I don't control the emotions, then the, the emotions start to control me and then they'll come out in places that I don't want them to. Like I'll blow up on other people rather than dealing with it myself or I'll start doing unhealthy things like you mentioned. So, um, yes, Yes, that's true. And I mean, me saying all this stuff, I don't have it all together. So I've had to apologize multiple times in this season to my husband for taking things out on him. (laughs) (laughs) We had a week, you know, my family is fine, but my mother-in-law was in the hospital for a short amount of time, not COVID related, but, um, and everybody was just stressed about it. Even though we knew she was okay, there's just this like 
level of stress around the household because she was not home. And um, there were many evenings where I'm like, honey, I know I'm taking this out on you right now. I'm really sorry. Or the next day, right? Like, yeah. oh, I was a yeah. really big jerk last night. I'm sorry. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. That's real. I know. So I just have like two more things from the passage sure. uh, that I think are going to help us. And so, okay, we see these disciples walking along. They're together. Jesus meets with them. He hears them basically pour out their their hearts and minds of what's happening. And then this is a part of the story that I also really love and think is really funny. So after the disciples finish sharing how they're feeling, Jesus says to them, how foolish you are. Like, <laughs> don't you know the teaching teachings of Moses and the prophets? So he kind of calls them out a little bit. Um, you know, not Sometimes we need that. Yeah. Sometimes we need Jesus to just enter Jesus. in. Yeah. yeah, enter into the fog of the moment, you know, and he listens to them graciously first, right? He's not just like calling them out at the beginning. After they express all these things to them, then Jesus points them back um, to these truths that they're forgetting. And so sometimes we need a little kind of kick in the pants from Jesus a little bit. Um, so he says, how foolish you are. And then basically what he does is he leads them in this really short Bible study of like all the promises of God in scripture. So it just, it literally says that in Luke, like Jesus proceeded to tell them about all the promises of the prophets and teachings of Moses about God. And so it's so easy for us in these places of instability to forget what God has done. I mean, it says that over and over in scripture, scripture tells us to remember, remember, remember God, because we so easily forget him. Yeah in times of chaos and uncertainty um, and instability. And so really the, the next point that I pull from this is to really root yourself in God's truth, right? Don't do it alone. Be ugly, honest with God. And then remind yourself of God's truth. Um, spending time in scripture to remind yourself. The scripture that I've been carrying with me um, in this season and really in a lot of seasons of uncertainty is from Psalm 27. And it says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And it's just, that's a grounding thing for me to have that scripture on my mind. I have it memorized and um, it, it comes to my mind now in times of uncertainty of, okay, I will remain confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Um, I think God does have goodness for us right now. Um, and he will continue to bring goodness out of this season. And am I willing to slow down enough, uh, root myself in his word and with community um, so that I can I can be reminded of what he says is true yeah. about himself and about the world? Um, yeah. And then I think, you know, when we do that, it helps us. The last thing is you know, keep your eyes open. Keep looking for God in this season. Um, I think when we're with community, in seasons of uncertainty, when we're being honest, ugly honest with God about it, and we're rooting ourselves in scripture, that helps us keep our eyes open to what God is doing. I think, you know, we just kind of, I think some of us, like you said, John, are numbing out to this, or we're just kind of, yeah. oh, I'm just going to like sleep through this, sleep through life for a while yeah. <laughs> to avoid the discomfort. But God is saying like, no, keep your eyes open. I'm doing something. Um, and it actually says this in Luke 24. So they, they invite Jesus over for dinner. They have a meal together. And then that's when they finally recognize Jesus, when they slow down and have this meal with him and invite Jesus into their space. It says, really then, yeah. 
Yeah, right? Uh, I, that, that's what I'm going to interpretively say about this, yeah. is that it wasn't until they invited Jesus into their home and slowed down enough that Jesus revealed himself to them. And I think there's some truth in that for us. Yeah. So, you know, are we welcoming Jesus into our space during the season or are we keeping him at arm's length? Because it's not until we welcome him into our space that we'll really be able to recognize what he's up to. And that that's what happens with these, these disciples. They all of a sudden recognize him. They're like, oh my gosh, like it says here, we're not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. So then we're able to see the ways that God has been present to us in this season of uncertainty and instability. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think God, God wants us to be open to him. He's doing something. He's not absent. He, he has not checked out, right? Even though we might feel ourselves checking out in this season, he has not checked out. And, you know, even though we might see this year as a wash and a waste, he does not see this year as a wash or a waste. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That'll preach. Yeah. I like that. Uh, inviting them in, slowing down to, yeah. Uh, and then that's when you recognize that he was there all along. Uh, he was yeah. with you all along. You just didn't have eyes to see it. So I think that's, that's, a, right. that's a good place to land to just say, hey, Jesus, give us eyes to see uh, and ears to hear and hearts to respond to you in this moment. Um, you know, don't numb out. Uh, get with some community. Uh, continue to pursue God. Get into scripture. Listen to him. Remember uh, and invite him into the situation. And like you've mentioned, Allison, uh, and he's proven true in your life, um, God has good stuff for us, even in really sucky times. Yes. Um, so maybe That's right. So. You'll be surprised. You'll yeah. be surprised. I mean, I was surprised how much fun I had that that nasty Papa Pete's bar <laughs> sorority formal. Yeah. You know, so God will surprise you with the good he has for you yeah. in this season. Well, yeah. may everyone who's listening have a Papa Pete's kind of moment uh, this That's semester right. uh, and, and experiencing some goodness. So that's um, good. So yeah, hey, however you're experiencing all that's happening in the world right now, um, we hope you're a little bit encouraged from this and you got some handles uh, to know how to be able to navigate the situation. So uh, hang in there. Uh, we're all in it together and um, we'll see you next time. See ya. The Greek and Christian Podcast is produced by Greek InterVarsity, a nonprofit college ministry for fraternity and sorority students. Our ultimate vision is to see every fraternity and sorority connected to a community of Greek Christians so that every Greek is just one friend away from knowing and following Jesus. To learn more, find a community on campus or partner with us. Visit greek.intervarsity.org.